Hi everyone, my name is Darren Griffith and you're very welcome to the 12th episode of the LUSK Athletic Club podcast. Thanks as always for listening. Please like, share, follow and subscribe. So really delighted to have sports psychologist Kira Losty on the show to help us navigate the challenges associated with successfully completing Dublin City Marathon. We're also very lucky to have Elaine McGowan, one of Ireland's leading healthcare dietitians and clinical nutritionists, on the show to discuss nutrition in the context of Dublin City Marathon. Elaine, along with her colleague Professor Barbara Ryan, are very passionate about digestive health and are very well known as the gut experts. Finally, we will finish with some pre-marathon Vox Pops from Lusk AC club members. So let's kick off with Julie's interview with Kira. Okay, so look, we're delighted to welcome Dr. Kira Losty to the podcast. Kira is a registered sports psychology service provider with the Irish Institute of Sport and a member of the Division of Sport, Exercise and Performance Psychology in the Psychological Society of Ireland. You wouldn't want to say all of that after a glass of wine. <laughs> um, Kira works with the Olympic and elite level athletes, teams and coaches to provide sport and performance psychology, specialising in mental conditioning for peak performance. She's also a lecturer in applied sport and exercise psychology at Setu and Waterford. So Kira, you're very welcome to our podcast. Thanks a million for the invitation today. Great. So listen, obviously, you know, um, with the DCM coming up in less than three weeks, we'll, we'll talk a good bit about that. But first of all, just really good to get to know you and find out a bit about yourself and what your background is and how you got into sports psychology. Yeah, um, I suppose it's a bit of an interesting one. Sports psychology wouldn't have really been in my radar. I would have been a really sporty, active child. Not didn't really compete in anything at a very high level, but always would have been interested in sport. Um, so I studied sports science and it's really via the medium of sports science. Then I discovered that there was this thing called sports psychology and I knew that I really enjoyed it and I loved it when I was in doing my undergrad. And that from there, then I just went on to just further education. I did a master's in sports psychology, a PhD. I've gone back. I've done another master's again. Um, so it's definitely my area of, I suppose, research interest and also kind of specialism from a pra practitioner perspective. So I'm kind of in a unique space in that um, I run the, we have an MSc in applied sport and exercise psychology in SETU Waterford. So I'm the program lead for that. And then I get to practice um, in in kind of high performance space so a lot in the Olympic Paralympic and then jockeys so weight making sport I'm also interested in in, in wow. that as well yeah so I was going to ask you about all the different disciplines you cover mm -hmm. it sounds quite broad there what would be the kind of key ones that you end up you know spending a lot of time on so I'm the lead psychologist for the Paralympic sport, uh, Paralympic Games for Paris for next year. So I work across the three main sports. So that would be swimming, athletics and cycling. Um, I'm also the lead psychologist for the jockey pathway. Um, so that would be all licensed um, jockeys in Ireland. So I provide sports psychology services to anyone who kind of pre presents for, for a particular sport support around a particular area. I don't really have a specialism or a sport. That was kind of one of my... I suppose one of my things I didn't want to do, I didn't want to specialize in an area or stay in a sport I was particularly comfortable with, say maybe one that I had played, yeah. like camogie or basketball or something like that. I wanted to kind of, for me, it's specializing in the people and just meeting the people where they are at when they yeah. present and when they when they come to you. And it's not always about th that they have an issue. It's yeah. that they might, it's from a performance enhancement kind of perspective as well. 
Yeah. And is that just out of interest, is that kind of a one size fits all approach that, you know, sports psychology is is the same regardless of what discipline that you're, you know, if you're competing, if you're, you know, racing on a horse or on, on your own legs, is it the same sort of, you know, issues yeah I think there's some commonalities across lots of sports Mm -hmm. particularly probably team sports and then maybe more with individual with individual sports but then each sport is very unique I suppose the environment is very different uh, and the high performance environment is very different in different sports so there are nuances in sport as well um but for me my philosophy really as a practitioner is just it's a they're a person first Mm. and they're an athlete second whether they're an olympian or paralympian or someone who's a recreational athlete it they're the individual that presents with you first so i'm just meeting and connecting with the individual first and then we're looking at the performance enhancement issues or maybe the mental health or the well-being kind of strategies that we can maybe enhance that will actually probably and help their performance somewhere down the road yeah yeah absolutely and what about yourself as an athlete I believe that you're running Dublin City Marathon yourself is that right I would use the word athlete very loosely (laughs) describing my marathon escapades um I'm running DCM yeah 2023 it didn't go great for me last year I have a bit of a, a I suppose a mental battle to put to bed with myself um it, I didn't have a great run I wasn't well prepared last year but I prepared well this year um I just love it I love I wouldn't say it's addictive because it's slightly torturous <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I just I think it's a great I've ran one other marathon outside of the country and nothing compares to Dublin I think I just think the crowd the vibe I'm from Dublin I love running the streets of Dublin yeah. I see my family my friends club members there's a, just a whole homecoming vibe to the whole thing. I just think we are very lucky to have such a special marathon on our on our capital streets. And um, it's just a really unique, amazing experience that you say you're never going to do again. And then 24 hours yeah. later, you're entering it. <laughs> you're signing up again. <laughs> I know. When you keep having these discussions with people, I'm ne- I tell, remind me I'm never doing this again. And then you're... <laughs> logging on 24 hours later um, I have a, lo- a, a love-hate relationship put it that way definitely is that the FOMO everyone else is getting their tickets so you're like oh totally. I'll just get one totally what am I like yeah and was last year your first marathon <laughs> no it wasn't um, yeah. that was the one remember from COVID it had ran over and kind of September I decided I think I might as well use my ticket yeah well I paid the price for it like I, I finished yeah. it I did it but I, I struggled I right. genuinely struggled I just wasn't ready I wasn't at at up to space and pace, space and uh, pace and speed where I would like or, uh, the time really doesn't matter for me really it, those things are experiential for me but I just want to be comfortable running them and enjoy it where I wasn't comfortable and that's my goal for this year just to be comfortable enjoy the experience and if I haven't left the tank run very fast at the end that's yeah. <laughs> yeah well we all know I mean it is a mental battle as well as you know a physical battle and you know we are we're you know everyone's getting physically prepared but just tell us broadly why it's as important to train your mind as well as your body for race day yeah because I think running a marathon really isn't just down to physical physical condition it's the thoughts that run through your mind and can really help or hinder or affect how you feel 
mm. about the race or, or, or how it's going for you during the race. And particularly for something like the marathon, it's so long and you're out there for so long. So it will definitely, whether you're enjoying the experience or whether you never want to do that experience again. So your thoughts really, really are, are important. And what is, I suppose, we put so much thought and time into like the miles in our legs, but what about what we're going to do with our mind, how we're going to possibly distract ourselves. Or if you're someone who's maybe trained with headphones or listen to podcasts and you're out there now and there's no headphones and no podcasts and no distractors. Um, you know, what what are the quality of your thoughts? Like, what are the nature of your thoughts? You know, this may impact in your decision to keep running, to stop, to walk, that that yeah. that type of thing. Um, and also how you associate with your body. So whether you start to tune into kind of any aches or pains or that type of thing. So it's important to kind of think about what is your mental race strategy before you actually get to that start line on, on DCM. So what are you going to think about when you're yeah. out there for so many hours? So think yeah. about your thinking. It's not ruminate. Think about what's the plan here or for this many miles, I'm going to do this or this many miles, I'm going to do this. If I feel an ache or a pain, I'm going to distract myself doing X, Y, Z. So yeah. put a little plan or thought. So those things that may or may not happen, but if they do happen on the day, you know that you have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You've so yes, yeah, so people tend to have a plan of, oh, I'm going to try this pace, but if I, you know, if that, you know, then I've got my plan B or whatever, um, you know, everyone's been training really hard and, uh, you know, so what what are those sort of strategies that we can start to employ to really kind of build build on that confident mindset? Yeah, so I think even just building up to it is 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 important. So actually, go back and look at all the training that you've done. Go back and look at your Strava. Go back and you look at your little training diary, whatever way you've recorded or analysed or your plan is written on a piece of paper, whatever it is. Go back and look over the evidence. Yeah. Okay, so the, so we're not kind of relying on your feelings because your feelings sometimes are overwhelming or might go, oh, I'm not ready for this. And they're telling you some lies. So yeah. go back over your evidence, go back over your training regime, go back over the little where I have my little plan right now. And I literally just tick the box. I just tick, yeah. tick, tick. So I'll go back over and I look over over the tick. So then you're looking at it in, I suppose, not something in your mind. You're looking at it on a, from a pen and paper exercise or on your phone or on your tablet yeah. or something like that. So it's that evidence based thinking as opposed to feeling thinking. Yeah. Um, remember, I suppose, again, the tough runs, yeah. the good runs, mm. you know, so use the, the experiences that you've had to get to, to this point and how maybe you navigated a difficult situation, how you worked through it. Um, maybe you were struggling some days, you had to pull back your pace. Maybe you went at a slower pace for a while and then you were able to pick it up again. So go yeah. back over the kind of the little bit of aha, the learning moments, yeah. those types of things and go, well, how did I navigate navigate that? You know, what did I learn from that particular experience that's going to inform my race plan on, on mm. for DCM? So go back over those types of experience, too. That's all for me. It's like putting diesel in your tank. Yeah. So it's 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 just really evidence based thinking as opposed to. I don't feel ready or this is how yeah. I'm feeling on this particular day because one, your feelings lie to you and how you feel today is a poor predictor of how you're possibly going to feel tomorrow too. Yeah, yeah. So it yeah, can yeah. be kind of overwhelming as, as, as we get close, closer to it. So that's yeah. what I'd be doing now, I suppose. And the next, the last, the next, yeah. these last few weeks kind of get that mental, mental accumulation. The next thing would be to maybe write out a little bit of a plan. So something along the lines of what's the best that can happen? Mm. So sometimes we feel great and you're kind of going Jesus, yeah. I didn't think I was going to be this buzzy oh, do I do it do I go do I stay do I yeah do I try faster what will I do so what's the best that can happen plan 
yeah. write out that plan. Yeah. The worst that can happen plan. <laughs> write out that plan. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other plan, which is generally what we get, is mm. what's actually the most likely thing that's going to happen. Yeah. And write yeah. the plan for that. But yeah. again, not leaving these things to chance not leaving these things in our minds, okay? These are things maybe that are, you spend a couple of minutes or half an hour actually writing out the plan mm -hmm. and keeping that. And you can bring that with you, even from a symbolic perspective. There are little things I might bring with me in, in my bag on the day. Mm -hmm. yeah. If I want to sit and I read it on the bus when I'm yeah. going in or whatever it is. So you're just kind of, again, just reiterating your plan um, yeah. so you know that whatever happens, you were yeah. you were ready to respond as opposed to react from an emotional perspective that you have the responses ready then yeah that sounds really good and I suppose in within our athletic club and I'm sure across many athletic clubs in Ireland there'll be people who are running their first very first marathon um, and then there'll be people you know like yourselves who maybe the first or the first time they ran it they weren't happy with their performance so there's a bit of extra pressure to do better this time so you know how do we manage I mean just to give you an example so I'm not sure if I'm running it yet because I've just recently been injured. <laughs> so I'm I'm 50-50 whether I'll get to the start line, but I have done a lot of the training with a lot of first timers. And mm. even before we go on some of our big runs, we've all had sleepless nights worrying about how we're going to run 30 kilometers. Yeah. So how is that going to feel pre-race night? You know, that's how we're going to get to sleep. You know, how are we going to kind of get, get to the start line without being a nervous wrecks? <laughs> yeah, so like, again, not being able to sleep the night before a big you want to go to the olympics <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lots of people don't no, thank sleep. you <laughs> yeah um it's really really average and normal in in our in our world okay so your sleep really is the accumulation of the weeks leading up to it not the yeah. night before okay yeah. so remember that if you have a crappy night's sleep which probably most of us have because i think the clocks do the clocks always seem to go yeah extra the hours there's always yeah. a time change on, on for, the, for the marathon um so again just remind yourself it's this time over the next 20 days that we have or whatever it is um mm. is the most important time to kind of accumulate that sleep mm. okay it isn't the, the night night before lots mm. of people have really poor night sleep the night before big events and can go out and actually actually manage it um the other thing then really is, I suppose, is is if you've been injured or, or or maybe you're not where you want to be, it's really readjusting your goal and managing your expectations. For some people, unfortunately, it might be a risk too far. You've got to kind of outweigh the cost versus the benefits. Do the risks outweigh the reward here? Is there some way maybe you could get involved? I know the clubs are looking for volunteers as well all the time. There's still opportunity to volunteer there. And that's a fantastic experience to kind of maybe be along with the buzz of it, but not actually participate yeah. in the actual race as well. So really kind of think, sit down and, and maybe plan out. And if you're not sure, if you're inexperienced or this is your first time, maybe go to your, turn into your club members. There's going to be people there, I'm sure, in your club mm. have oodles of experience that would be happy to sit over a cup of coffee and go look what do you think and just weigh up the pros and the cons of making the decision around that or, or with, with your with, with a coach or someone who's a little bit more experienced in that area because sometimes I think I suppose when we've done all this we just want to do it and kind yeah, of take, take, yeah. the, take, take the chance but is it worth it if you're going to be out for maybe three or four months after it, then again rehabilitating some kind of injury so mm. look away the, co the costs and benefits um and have that discussion with with somebody else and if you can do it 
it's really maybe about reducing your expectations that this year yeah. isn't the one that we're going to be running at this particular pace or within this particular particular time and maybe set different goals, maybe more enjoyment goals, experiential goals, running with another group, uh, mm. maybe running with other people in your in your in your club who are at a similar pace to you. Just you know, there's a big shift away, I suppose, in the psychology literature around what we would have had smart. Do you remember, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, specific, measurable, attainable time, yeah. those types of goals, much more to what we call open goals. Mm. And kind of like, just see how I'm going to do. Yeah. How I feel on the day. And that yeah. just takes the expectation and the pressure off Yeah. around, like, yeah. how do you feel? And if you feel you can kind of up it, you make a plan around that, you know what I mean? Or if you feel, you know, you're in the last 10K or whatever, that like, I'm actually feeling good or, well, then go for it. But, you know, just managing your expectations is is is, is really important and, and being very aware that you probably won't be able to get to it, but it's it's at the maybe the original goal you had. But that's okay, you go again. There's, yeah, yeah. There exactly. will be another opportunity to do this. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, there are, there, there's probably a lot of runners that actually won't make it to the start line. You know, yeah. I think there's a stat out there that's only like a third of people drop off through training from through yeah. injury. Uh, and that's really hard, especially if you put in 90% of the training, you know, and then just in the it's last tough. few weeks. It's really tough. You know? And it's okay. Like some people might want to get involved at all. Maybe they don't want to volunteer. It's too close. That, and that's, yeah. I totally get that. You'd see that a lot in sports where people retire yeah. or like they're not interested. Yeah. And yeah. then they might, it comes around, like it comes yeah. back in cycles. So the emotions could be a little bit raw, but just giving yourself a bit of space and, and compassion mm. to allow yourself to make the best decision that you can at that that particular particular time. It could be too much for some people to go, I, you yeah. know, I don't want to volunteer. I don't really want to be here. I'm not really. Yeah, know. unless I'm running it, I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. 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 Um, and I suppose now we're kind of moving into the taper, the taper time. And, and I've heard the the uh, term taper tantrums come up. <laughs> Can you yeah. tell us a bit about what those are and, and how to manage them? Yeah, that's I, forgot, I always call it like, like the itchy leg syndrome. It's kind <laughs> of like you kind of get this itchy, itchy, itchy. I need to do more. I need to do more again. That's really normal <laughs> for yeah. where we for where we are. But I suppose the temptation is to deviate from the plan now. Yeah. Okay. So the temptation is, you know, again, stick into the plan, stick into the process, stick into what you what you've laid out for yourself in the, these particular weeks. That's the, you know, the, the the doing more or doing extra won't make you probably better, fa- faster, that type of thing. But it may actually have the opposite effect. It could make you yeah. slower, or you could pick up an injury. Mm-hmm. You know, these there is a taper for a particular reason. I'm not a physiologist. I don't I don't know all the ology bits. Um, but the temptation is gr- is great. It's yeah. a bit like a sports team. The further they sometimes go in a championship, they kind of go, oh, we better do something else or yeah. better bring someone. And they're kind of going, no, no, what you've done has worked till now. Yeah. And which it has, you've stuck to the plan, you're injury free. So what you've done is work to now. Yeah. Don't change it. Don't change it. Yeah. Yeah. So stick to it and stick to the plan. Eat the carbs and <laughs> just put your feet up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brilliant. So um, yeah, we so you, if if we've all done, you know, what you've said to kind of like look at all the work that you've done and you know, think about the good days, maybe the t- the times that you've had to overcome your struggles <laughs> uh, and then we're standing at the race line and just real that I can imagine the adrenaline the nerves are the probably unreal <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
um like is there anything that any sort of strategies at that point you know like yeah again that's just really again normal for where people are going to be at on that day and that's why there are a million toilets at the start lines yeah. of races as yeah. well look again recognizing or maybe renaming those emotions could be a nice strategy as well so yeah if you told me you were bringing me to Kildare Village and mm. I had a credit card, I would probably get sweaty palms and I'd get a really excited heartbeat. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd nearly start to sweat with the excitement. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you put me in the start line of a marathon or a race, I get a sweaty palms, I get yeah. a very excited heartbeat, you know what yeah. I mean? I might have to go to the toilet. It's very, very similar. So yeah. renaming those emotions are saying, well, I'm just excited about the race. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the the physiological responses are very very similar, um. But it's pretty much an identical feeling to feeling excited. So if you call it excited, then it becomes more much more of a positive thing because yeah. it's giving you energy as opposed to kind of taking energy from yeah. you. So better to ride the wave sometimes on yeah. what it is than trying to block it out sometimes yeah. because that can take energy. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. The mental cost to that type yeah. of trying to constantly control your thinking. Sometimes it's just, okay, right, that's where it is. Yeah. I'm going to let it sit there. I don't have to follow it, but I can let it let it sit there. Yeah, that's really funny because um, I haven't run a marathon before, but I have competed horse riding and mm. jumping and my, my daughter's too. And I would always, I would always have called it, we're just nervited, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we're nervous and excited, but it's nervited. It was a new yeah. word that we came up with and that kind of made it I love a lot it. Later. I'm steal that one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love, I love, I'd often call it switching on. Like yeah. you're kind of going from standby, like just, you know, when you're clicking on the the the, the yeah. oven or something like that you're literally going from standby or putting on the telly and now you're on that's just the yeah. feelings of you you want that feeling yeah, yeah. you yeah. want yeah. you want that and then once you get going it's the hanging around bit yeah 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 you know there, there can be a bit of that particularly at a marathon start uh, yeah, well. before any sort of competition it's that bit before isn't it that's really tough and then once you get going you can kind yeah. of snap out of it yeah. but that bit before if you, and especially if you're in later waves you're wait, waiting around a long time yeah <laughs> before yeah. you can but you that's know, again this is something you plan for now mm. so when you're in the hanging around or you're in the wave have you got your bin bag on you have you got your blah 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 you know mm. plan for what that will actually feel like what are you going to do when you're standing there for 20 minutes half an hour on your own yeah like maybe you put a little routine into place around that and practice that yeah yeah okay yeah I think there'll be you know with the club there'll probably be a few people together at the there start and chit chat so and yeah. yeah yeah so we could just yeah chit chat and compare mm -hmm. compare notes <laughs> um so yeah so obviously you know you're, you're off from the start line then and you're actually running and you know let's say you know midway on it might get a little bit harder and how do you kind of distract yourself or disassociate from that effort like I you know because people have said you wouldn't be, you won't be chatting because you won't want to use that energy <laughs> some people chat I don't know people it depends it depends on probably the pace I've run it and chatted the whole way around yeah and then it depends on if you're going for a particular time or target yeah. you probably don't want to waste energy mm. energy chatting things like maybe having go to I'm a I, I love one I use a lot would be chunking up things so I, I still do it in kilometers so I write 10 10 10 10 on my okay. hand yeah. And I, I, everything is the 10. And then when I'm that 10, I mentally like put the X to it. Then I go 10, X, 10, X, 10. And then whatever. The, the last bit is always, I tell myself it's a park run. 
whatever it is, it's a park run, it's a park run, you know, just, just go for it, it's a park run. Um, so chunking up of things yeah. is, is important. Um, so not seeing it as one, one big thing. You might have a go-to, go-to mantra or kind of mm-hmm. statement that you might use to yourself as well. So sometimes it's easier to repeat something in your mind to keep mm-hmm. the junk out. Yes. Okay. Um, when we also talk to ourselves, a lot of there's a lot of science around talking to ourselves in the third person. S- instead of saying, I can do it. Yeah. You say, you can do it. Yeah, you got this. <laughs> you've got this. So I would say little simple, yeah, you've got this. You've got this. You're looking great. You know, you're, you're in control. Um, so just using little you statements to kind mm. of, again, it doesn't have to be overly positive. Mm-hmm. It can be yeah. neutral. Yeah. And for some people, you can have negative self-talk. Mm. All that matters is, what works for you yeah. so identifying that language and that talk that works for you yeah. does it facilitate or does it hinder yeah. your performance yeah so there's yeah. no bad or good in that kind of space it's mm. just does this work yeah work for you um and then i you know other little things like that first 10 is for that person yeah okay, okay. and this first this this 10 is for the new shoes i'm gonna buy and yeah. this 10 so again but nothing too overly emotive yeah yeah. Unless that's inspirational for you or sometimes I find if I think of those things that are a little bit too emotional, I find that kind of draining a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Or if I know my family are up ahead, I kind of get emotional about that sometimes because you're kind of yeah. functioning at that space where you're empty as well. So it's it is hard to manage your emotions and that's just wasting yeah. of energy. Yeah. So giving and chunking is an important thing, but it doesn't it can be something something silly. It doesn't have yeah. to be. So you could do every 10 kilometers. That's an extra 50 euro voucher I get for 100%. your village. <laughs> yeah. And this one's for the pancakes that I'm not going to be able to eat for about three hours because my stomach's in a bit. That's, you know, it's just simple, simple, simple. thing. Now for others, it might be a little bit more. They might want something connected to their why, their family, their friends yeah. or whatever. But just just for me, it's just think about is this giving you energy or mm-hmm. taking energy from you? That's important. Yeah. Yeah. If it gives you energy, go for it. If it takes energy, yeah. maybe change it, change change it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so find out what your carrot is and yeah, yeah, yeah. And celebrate those little small victories along the way. Half, you know, whatever, halfway, three quarters, da, da, da. You'll, you'll, and you know, being familiar probably with the route will help you mm. that way to kind of chunk it up or or or, or bl- block it up for you. Yeah, it's funny actually because a lot of the club are going in and doing a a recce and brecky. <laughs> this yeah. Um, yeah, and some people don't want to see the route; they want it to be new. Do you think it's a good thing to go and see the route? I just think it depends. I don't have an yeah. answer. Like if someone, if you are someone who wants to see it and be familiar with it, that's it. Mm. I'm usually someone who's like whatever. It is, for me, it's whatever. The, if the hill is the hill. I don't need to run the hill. I just need to run it. I need to be present in the moment when I'm doing it and run the hill yeah. in front of me. Yeah. I don't need to be thinking about the hill 20 miles out when the hill is 20 miles yeah. down the road. So it, for me, it's whatever it is on the day, I'll just run it. Because yeah. I, can, I can't control it. Yeah. But yeah. I can control I, yeah. how I respond to it. That's it. Yeah, I think I'm the same. I actually think I quite like the surprise of not knowing. Yeah, I just, I you, and when you have to find what the hill is, you just have to get up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like anticipating the hill. Yeah. But, it, but it, for other people, they might want to do the hill. And I yeah. totally, I totally get that too. So it's not, there isn't a one size fits all. It's just what, what works for you. Mm, yeah. I, I like the recce and brecky idea though. Yeah. Definitely the brecky. 
Yeah, I might just go into town for that part. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, are there different strategies of different type of runners? So obviously you've got the real serious, you know, sub three runners. Uh, mm. and, and then you've got like me who just wants to finish it. I actually don't care for what part of it, you know what I mean? Like I only started running a year ago, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. put myself under any mad pressure. If I do get to the start line, fit and healthy, you know, that, you know, I don't really care about that. You know, just, so is there different strategies for those different types of runners? Yeah, so what we call in, in, in sports psychology association and disassociation, there's so mm-hmm. there are two t- types of strategies. Now, you might do this anyway already. So associate is actually to kind of internalize and kind of connect with your body. So you're a little bit more aware, aware of your breathing, your pace, mm-hmm. um, where you could pick it up. Uh, do you have more in the tank? That, that type of thing. And then disassociation is something that may be more beginner type. Uh, people use where you actually distract yourself from what we call maybe discomfort mm-hmm. um, and you maybe might use some kind of strategies around you know counting the yellow t-shirts that you see so mm-hmm. things that actually get disassociation games that actually require attention and focus so it's not just seeing things um, it's also counting or count doing tables, that type of thing. So it requires attention and focus. So you're using some of that brain energy that you would instead of associating with your body. What you'll probably find for those types of big long runs like a marathon is that you switch. Mm. You switch between yeah. the two. Um, what you will see, the more experienced runners are able to associate. So they're more connected to their breathing, their timing, yeah. their pace. They want to be tuned into that because they they are they have it in their legs they have it in their yeah. body to be able to adjust and pick up the pace whereas somebody who's maybe more of a recreational type runner if there's an over association with your body you start to maybe tune into my knee is sore yeah my toe is sore yeah it's that type of stuff so we're not kind of picking up pace we're just tuning into aches and pains yeah um or discomforts that's what we need to do <laughs> so relabel yeah. them as discomfort and and you know sometimes you can actually run through something that yeah. discomfort and it kind of gets all right yeah so having disassociation strategies is probably a good idea knowing possibly where people are mm. going to be out supporting you on the route so you can go right I have to get to that particular point I'm going to see so and so and the south yeah. circular I'm going to see so and so and Drimna or whatever it is and um, so that type of thing having those little kind of little milestones to meet along the way but particular disassociation strategies especially if you're someone who was worn headphones Mm. and you've been distracting yourself with that and you're not going to do that on are you I do that a lot in training but I won't do it on would you not because I've wondered about that why why not why wouldn't you I just think I just find them it's just I start messing around with them and they're I find them kind of distracting the atmosphere in Dublin you are never on your own yeah the place is just flooded with people um just to soak it up to hear people there's so much stuff yeah happening around you it's yeah you will be distracted anyway yeah Um, I was thinking about just having one in just because some music helps me disassociate (laughs) a beat of a music helps me just run better I don't know why that is an assault yeah that is a disassociation technique yeah Yeah. I just good music I get into it like I, I like I pretend I'm in a you know, in a club somewhere or something, you know, that that helps me just kind of think about something yeah. else. Yeah, and that's something um, you're, you're used to. That's some, I don't know, I just find it kind of distracts me on race day. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. 
that's why I thought maybe you know I don't want to miss out on the you know this is if I get there but you know I didn't want to miss out on the experience and the crowds and everything else I thought oh. but if I have one then I'll, I'll be half half when, listening. When you, when you come out of the Phoenix Park and you're going into Castle Knock yeah it's like what you see in the Tour de France of the people <laughs> on the street and the clapping and the noise and all like the yeah. boost the boost you you get from that yeah from that is un- the people are unbelievable the kids the whole thing the vibe of the whole thing is just it's what's all good in the world out on the on the day um, but yeah look it's a preference thing it's what works mm, yeah I didn't put my watch on the silent there that was a rookie error <laughs> um great so um okay after the race um what how do we cope with the feelings after the race and you know maybe that sort of you know like if you have a huge event sometimes you can get the blues after that 100 yeah like this is a big piece of work that i would do and it would be called it's very very it's like a come down after a major mm. event um and there can be kind of um i suppose a mood or in elite athletes there sometimes you'll see from people when they transition back to that particular particular space look well first thing is having a break and a total time out and making sure that you have some time to decompress yeah. is really really important and for your body as well you've physically mm. done something that's really really challenging but again it's maybe just setting the next goal it's getting and not leaving it to another marathon or maybe out to that length can you build on your fitness could you do something over the the winter could you maybe get into the cross-country space or you know just do something different but with a you know for the for for a different reason or for a bit of crack um but you know having another Again, allowing the space, allowing the time to decompress, allowing that time to recover is really important, but maybe not in that marathon type space, challenging yourself in, in some something different or um or a team event either. Yeah. Or I mean some people organize kind of like treats like nights away or mm. to the spa or stuff like that. Is that good for you as well to do things? Yeah, like you're that? gonna be sore. That's yeah, you're gonna be sore. So like having now even booking maybe a rub for yourself having that booked in for that week you're going to be pretty if you're me anyway you're going to be walking like John Wayne for a few days um but you know maybe getting ahead of that now and not leaving it to chance so that you have it booked in you know that it's sorted this week for the week you know those couple of days after the after the marathon but like you've done something amazing like it's Mm. you've done something that very 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 unique so there's definitely a space there needs to be space to celebrate it too and 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 this is the time maybe to give back particularly if you're a parent or give back to your family because a lot of the training is like it takes time everybody in the house has to row in with your kind of your dream and your goals and desires and there's things that are forfeited and it's long it's long long runs but then it's also you're probably not worth much to people when you come back if you're like me you're sitting around the house with your legs up um you know what i mean so it affects it's to give back to them. So that's what we would yeah. say to the sports people as well. So the people that have boosted you and supported you along the way, it's mm. also their, your time to give back to them and not kind of maybe face into the next big, yeah. big challenge. But you do have a space to grow and develop from a physiological perspective to kind of, you know, you've achieved this. So what could you do, but maybe in the shorter, shorter yeah. Uh, distances? Yeah. What do you think about the tickets coming out so soon after the race? I think it's like giving birth. It's like people are, I'm never doing this again. And then within 24 hours, they have their baby and then they're like, oh, 
I'm having another one now. Like it's the high. After it, it's great marketing. Yeah. <laughs> but what was? Why do they do that? I don't. I don't. I don't... Know. Yeah. It's but it is. I'm assuming it's the high of having yeah. done it oh, and achieved it. The runner's high, and they think yeah, that the totally. Gonna be <laughs> totally that you just sign up for it within 24 hours and then say I'll just put that in the the, 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 the personal folder and won't tell anyone that <laughs> 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 I've done that but they're capitalizing on, on that on yeah. that feeling I'm, I'm assuming um but at least I suppose at least with the things like the transfers that type of thing now so there there yeah. are other opportunities to, to to get into it at a later stage if you want to yeah exactly that's that's good I think a lot of people use that and a lot of people got tickets from that um, so how's your training been and how's your race strategy? What's your race strategy going to be on the day? Yeah, good. I think I've trained. I've tr- I joined. Um, so I'm, I'm a member of the Waterstone Warriors when I'm in Dublin. Um, so that's my running club. Um, so if I'm up in Dublin, I'm training with them or get yeah. get down to the local park run. But I've so I joined th- for this year a kind of training group down here with Brian Sw- Swaby. That's gone really good. I've just found the structure which I had none of last year, um, has really helped me and kind of held, held me accountable to kind of being there. Um, not that I didn't do any of the long runs with them, but I would always do our interval training with them. So that, but yeah. even that kind of meeting similar type people and having conversations, chats around, how's your training yeah. going? It's just kind of helped me and helped me, you know, again, like I said, held me accountable. And um, I just really enjoy, I find in running groups and, running clubs it's something I've come to very later in my life never ran as a child as only first time when I was a parent really I, I ran I ran that park run that's kind of where and then I kind of got into it that was it yeah. um so I just I I think you you find a lot of similar minded type people and yeah. you know similar type personalities which I which I really enjoy but yeah I think it's gone well for me I don't have big time goals but yeah like I said at the start to get around comfortable enjoy the experience I'm sure it's amazing it's amazing to be able to do this that we can physically that we're all you know the people all line out of the day whatever your goal is but that we're ultimately all physically well and capable of doing this in this particular space in a collective as thousands of people doing it together in, in Dublin on that day yeah yeah well listen the very best of luck for your race day i hope it goes really well and thank you so much for taking part and and giving us your time today no bother thanks a million for the invitation thank you brilliant advice from kira and the very best of luck to kira in the marathon from all at lusk ac next up julie's interview with elaine mcgowan so as the big race day draws closer we're delighted to have elaine mcgowan on the show today Elaine is one of Ireland's leading private healthcare dietitians and clinical nutritionists who has been at the forefront of providing dietary solutions for IBS patients. She is also the co-founder of the educational platform The Gut Experts and has recently co-authored a best-selling book, What Every Woman Needs to Know About Her Gut. She also has a master's in sports nutrition, so we thought this would be an ideal time to chat to her the week before Dublin City Marathon to make sure everyone racing is fully aware of the do's and don'ts of fueling before, during and after. So, Elaine, you are very welcome to the show. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Great. So, look, I know that you've you worked in the past with some elite Irish athletes, so it'd be great just to hear a little bit about your role and which sporting disciplines you've covered in the past. Uh, So my master's is in the nutrition intake of Irish elite athletes and I worked with uh, 
the uh, athletes for three sets of Olympic Games. Uh, I also worked with the Irish rugby team for two years and several GAA clubs and worked with lots of teams and also saw lots of people individually in my clinics. In more recent years, I don't travel with te teams because it takes up a lot of commitment and my uh, life and career has gone a slightly different direction. So all those evenings and weekends, um, I wasn't able to commit to as my family got older. So I would have a, a, had a vast experience in traveling with teams as well and doing everything from individual nutritional plans, supplements, to also setting up all of the nutritional intakes for all the teams when they're traveling. I worked with the lightweight rowers for, for 10 years. I worked with the slalom, slalom canoeists for 10 years and I worked with a lot of female athletes and female runners as well. Brilliant. So, yeah, it sounds like you've tra well traveled and, and met lots of interesting people along the way. Yeah, fascinating. I, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, look, you know, um, obviously in Lusk Athletic, uh, at the moment, we're all kind of gearing up uh, for for running the the big the big marathon. Um, but I think, you know, just generally, you know, runner's stomach is something that people talk about or maybe don't talk about. And it would just be kind of interesting to understand a little bit about what it is and why it happens to runners. Yes, so I think this is one area that a lot of people suffer with in silence. And I think it's a little bit taboo because a lot, a lot of people suffer with it and they don't have to be necessarily running a marathon. It could be rec recreational runners just doing four to six K and they don't actually talk about it. So the first thing is, if you're suffering with something like that, you go and talk to your GP about it. And naturally, they refer you on to a gastroenterologist and you get tests done to see if there was any evidence of Crohn's or um, colitis or celiac uh, disease. So you'd rule out any medical causes for it. But once they're all ruled out, it's very common for people that do are doing a lot of what I would call weight bearing sports. So there's a number of different reasons. We don't have a, we don't specifically know what actually causes it, but we have a lot of neurons in our gut. So actually, um, there's a lot of nerve endings in our gut. So it these nerves can contract and that can cause a runner's diarrhea. It's also thought that if we get more anxiety, the link between our gut brain axis that can overstimulate the nerves in the gut and that could cause it. And then um, thirdly, it's actually just the weight bearing exercise, the actual jigging in the gut stimulates yeah. the bowel and then that can stimulate a bowel motion. And obviously, um, certain foods and diet diets that you look at can actually reduce these symptoms but mainly it is the nerve endings in the gut that seems to stimulate this along with that weight bearing kind of jigging exercise and that's when you can get a loose bowel motion or about yeah, require a bowel motion and can it be you know does it tend to be do you, do you know if it's like you know shorter runs or longer runs is it the longer that you run the more likely it is to happen or so it, it so in general it's it would be more in the endurance fence but we've also got people that can't do a round of golf or can't do six kilometers because it may happen them but definitely it's more prevalent in the endurance events and yeah. it can also affect females at different stages of their hormonal cycle so for example if they're premenstrual and they're running the hormones change a little bit and they could be more predisposed to a looser bowel motion in conjunction with the nerve endings in conjunction with the longer runs so it can be actually multifactorial but if you are suffering with that there are several dietary factors that you can look at mm -hmm. and um can i go through a few of those yeah, absolutely. Quite Love a hear few. so first of all i think it is fiber and having worked with so many athletes um today everybody's 
much more fibre. But in the three days before a big endurance event, mm. you may not need a lot of fibre, particularly if you're, you're if you're prone to looser bowel motions. So yeah. you would be going towards more that white diet with less fibre um, because that could stimulate the gut. So that would be one of the things is actually knowing pre an endurance event what is your fiber tolerance do you have any fiber tolerance at all or can you tolerate two weetabix and three pieces of fruit or is that too much yeah. so you need to know that yourself and certainly we have we have that in our book which which um certainly helps you navigate what your fiber tolerance is mm. the second one which is a really big one is fructose which is fruit sugar Okay. Fruit sugar is a big trigger for loose bowels and also loose bowels associated with the excess wind. Now, fructose is the main sugar found in fruit and it is highest in honey. So lots of people are going to put honey in their cereals, honey in their smoothies. So honey would be a big trigger for bloating, wind and also diarrhea. Oh, wow. So there are certain fruits where the fructose content is quite high and apples and pears are one of those. Mangoes are very high as well in fructose. So the ones that tend to be lower are um, firm bananas, um, mandarins, oranges, strawberries, um, also um, um, some raspberries, but raspberries can be quite high in fiber and grapes. But okay. you have to watch your fructose load. I wouldn't recommend eating a lot of fruit at the three yeah. days before the event and certainly not the morning of the event. You may get away with one or two bananas, but another trick is don't take all the fruit together. If you take two or three pieces of fruit together, that can predispose you to diarrhea. So if you tolerate one or two bananas, which are a very good carbohydrate sauce, you might have one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Don't take two together. That's so definitely act. watch the amount of honey and the amount of fruit and particularly smoothies. Some people will not tolerate all the fiber and all the fructose in the smoothies. So mm. you really want to have tried and tested those smoothies out well in advance. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anybody who's predisposed to that looser stool, I wouldn't be recommending um, either vegetable or fruit smoothies because the fiber content and the fructose content may be too high. And just watch the amount of fruit you're taking in the day. The other one is, is lactose for some people. Now, butter, cheese, cream and mayonnaise are really low in lactose. But again, if you're using a lot of protein milks or a lot of milk, the lactose content could trigger a loose bowel. So lactose free milk is a really easy one. It tastes like normal milk. Yeah. And um, there's several varieties. So if you want to use milk, you know, I would use um, and you're prone to diarrhea. I'd use the lactose uh, free milk. Yeah. There's a couple of other ones. Um, a big one is garlic. Right. Okay. So right. Garlic is actually one of the number one causes of loose bowel motions. Yeah. And if you're in a restaurant and you, you've had a big garlic meal with garlic prawns and garlic bread and you run to the bathroom 10 minutes afterwards, it'll be the garlic is the trigger. So I would recommend most people to avoid a lot of garlic in the three days before the event. And also onion is very wind producing. So I wouldn't take yeah. a lot of onion and garlic. OK, and um, the other ones, which are the ones we know about is alcohol. You're not going to be drinking a lot of alcohol in the three days before an endurance event. And the other one then is sorbitol. Be careful um, that you're not taking any sugar free products that contain sorbitol in them. And sometimes the vitamin C drinks, like even the Barocca, can have sorbitol in it. And this yeah. is a sugar polyol that's poorly absorbed in the gut. So you need to be careful of that as well. And then your caffeine intake. So some people are using caffeine to stimulate their, their endurance event, but caffeine can also be a trigger for that loose bowel. Yeah. Um, so that's something that you're what you're looking at. So it's basically reduce your fiber if you're prone to it, reduce yeah. your honey and your fruit intake, 
choose maybe lactose-free milk um, for those three days before the event and then reduce your onion and garlic for three days and also watch your caffeine intake, how you're using that if you're prone to a loose bowel. Yeah. And they're, they're really important things for anybody who's prone to that. And particularly, you know, it could be in the second half of the marathon, you've got to be very careful with what you take. Yeah. What about fats? What about fat like butter? cheese those so that's that's a really good point i'm looking at all the other ones so generally you would reduce it for some people fats is a trigger not for everybody Mm. and you kind of know a fatty food is a trigger for you so you're going to know if you get diarrhea after a big fish and chips or after a pavlova or after you know apple tart and cream on a sunday so each person will know if they're kind of prone to it after the fats. so if they are definitely reducing your fat intake in the three days beforehand is um certainly a factor as well and not taking loads of deep fried fatty foods yeah yeah so, so there's I mean, lots can be done to help it but if your gut has any of these foods in it and you do the endurance event you stimulate the nerves you stimulate the weight bearing exercise you're going to stimulate that bowel motion yeah yeah so that covers off quite a lot of the sort of the pre-race but it'd just be interesting to find out a little bit more about carb loading and which carbs people should mm. be eating which mm. carbs they should be you know because people talk about good carbs and bad carbs and then you, you mm. mentioned their white carbs and whole meal mm. what would your so, advice be i there? suppose in, in, in the biggest thing that i see with people is um certainly still in the three days before an event they are actually eating a lot of protein at the expense of carbohydrate everybody is protein obsessed from protein milks to protein yogurts so when i analyze anybody's diets to this day in my rooms i don't see people lacking in protein what they are lacking in in, is in their carbohydrates Mm -hmm. so you need eight to ten grams of carbohydrate in the three days before the event so your main focus is carbohydrate it wouldn't be proteins and fats you can certainly add some proteins in but you wouldn't be increasing your protein intake those carbohydrates ideally are low to moderate glycemic index and the low glycemic index carbohydrates tend to be the white carbohydrates because you've got to fit a lot of carbohydrates in they have to be light and easy to digest and again this is something that you'll have practiced with but if we take a 70 kilogram person right which is kind of the average male runner not female runner they would need about 560 to 700 grams of carbs a day now That equates to two very large, two dog dishes of cereal. It would equate to a whole plate of rice. It would equate to a whole plate of potatoes. So we're only at about 300 grams there. You would need two bananas. That brings us up to about 350. Mm -hmm. You'd need about six slices of bread. (laughs) That brings us up to about 450, right? And they need a minimum of 560. So um, uh, six slices of bread. So then you'd need a couple of uh, probably uh, a couple of flapjacks or, you know, some pancakes or some crumpets or some bagels on top of that to get up to about 550. And they might need up to 700 grams a day. So that might mean they might have to take a liter of isotonic drink again with that, which would give them about 70 grams of carbs. So that is your main focus because we've only got so much we've only got two storage tanks in our body for our glycogen and that's found in our liver and it's found in our muscles. So I always equate it to like two little biscuit tins in your body. So yeah. you have to go into that marathon with those biscuit tins full of carbohydrate because the carbohydrate gets converted into liver and muscle glycogen. And then your two biscuit tins are full up for your marathon. 
And you need those stores completely full in the three days before the event. So you can take some protein, you can take some vegetables, some salads, but they're not going to get you to finish the marathon. It's actually the carbohydrates that will get you to finish the marathon. And everybody's individual. Some people are able to eat six Weetabix. They could eat eight Weetabix and they don't get any diarrhea, no bloating and wind. So lots of people eat, I have loads of athletes that would eat six to eight Weetabix and they're fine. Now, our little female runner who's 55 kilos is not going to be able to eat six Weetabix. So it's hard to actually reach their carbohydrate intake because some of them are very petite. So even if you said eight grams of carbohydrate, it's 440 grams of carbohydrate. So it's two big bowls of cereal. It's a plate of rice. It's about six slices of bread. It's two bananas. Yeah, that's what you're looking at. Um, And they might be more prone to a more bowel frequent. They might be because if they're more petite, they might be prone to more bowel frequency. Mm. So they probably want the lower fiber. So they might be better off with um, cornflakes, white bread, white rice. Yeah, that's what I would suggest. Um, But it's very much even if you work it out on my fitness pal, you know, a minimum, a minimum of six grams of carbs per kilo, but you really need eight to 10 grams of carbs per kilogram to ensure full liver, muscle and glycogen before the event. And it's quite a lot of food. So um, if you take protein, protein is going to fill you up. A chicken breast is going to fill you up at the expense of carbohydrates. Yeah. So really, it's eating every sort of two hours, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, little and often throughout the day. And that's why you're looking at the lower GI carbohydrates because they're lighter and easy to digest and they don't make you feel as full. Yeah. So yeah. What, what I typically see is I saw a lovely guy the other day. Now he's six foot and he needed loads of carbohydrates, but he's taking the maximum amount of protein and he was taking 50% of the carbohydrates he needed. Uh, okay, yeah. and that's happening all the time because protein is the big cell and people are taking the protein at the expense of the carbohydrates yeah yeah. for the endurance type of events and you know that advice has not changed yeah yeah and what about the morning of the race what should people be eating yeah i'm going to come back to one thing i just want to say to people about pasta i have a funny thing about pasta pasta absorbs water and it can make you it can make some people bloat if you're using pasta as a carbohydrate source you're better off using the fresh egg pasta because it's much lighter and it's much easier to digest but pasta does carry water weight and it can cause bloating in some people right so um i would always generally go for the evening before a marathon i would always go for rice white mm-hmm. rice over pasta or yeah. a big bowl of cereal like cornflakes or rice krispies and three or four slices of toast with butter or jam and maybe a banana and a flapjack or something yeah. so that you're well loaded beforehand make sure that pasta doesn't cause you any problems because lots of people eat pasta three days in a row and that may not agree with everybody yeah so one day pasta one day rice one day potatoes might be a better way to do it um, but uh, you, you you can load up on rice, potatoes, rice noodles and cereals. They're all suitable. It doesn't have to be all pastas, yeah, particularly for okay. those that are more gut sensitive. Yeah. So the evening before, you need to make sure that you take plenty of carbohydrates and you don't need half a chicken and you don't need a 16 ounce steak the, the evening <laughs> before the marathon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you really need a big rice dish with maybe maybe it could be a Thai green curry or something. Yeah. Uh, a Thai green curry that has a bit of chicken in it, but it wets all the rice. So you can eat a big bowl yeah. of rice. And then you follow that later by a big bowl of cereal, a couple of slices of toast, as I said to you, and maybe um, 
a few biscuits or a banana so that you're well loaded up. And then when you start that, when you get up the morning before the marathon, you have two, your two biscuit tins are full of um, your liver and your muscle glycogen are full, ready to go. Otherwise you're going nowhere. You might as well go back to bed because, (laughs) (laughs) because, um, you're going to run out of fuel because your main fuel is from those when you're doing an endurance event for, you know, uh, greater than three hours. That's the fuel that you're using. So the morning of the event, what I would always say to everybody, and you all know this, is never try anything new. But just because Mary down the road has taken a super duper gel that she got from the Internet that night from Amazon, you are not to try it, not to take it. So never try anything new the day of a race. Just make sure it's all tried and tested beforehand. Go for simple keep it simple and keep it straightforward. You might want to get up a bit earlier. So most people eat the three or four, really about 300 grams of carbohydrate about three to four hours before the meal or before the race. Mm. So that again is a big bowl of cereal in the morning. For some people that's cornflakes. For some people that is Weetabix. It's really whatever's tried and tested for you. For some people it's a big bowl of porridge with maple syrup. Mm. So it's whatever one works for you. You would need to take at least three or four slices of toast with maybe with with butter or maybe no butter and just jam or marmalade on it or maple syrup, but definitely not honey in any of those. Okay. Um, I would probably take a banana at that point in time in the morning and maybe a few berries, but I wouldn't take large amounts of fruit unless unless you um know that they don't cause you any problem. Yeah. So that's what you would take there. The minute I finish breakfast, what I would do is I would start on my isotonic drink. Okay. So I would start to sip an isotonic drink, which you have tried and tested either Lucrixate Sport or Club Energize. Mm -hmm. And I would be taking at least 500 mils of that before the start of the race. And that gives you another 35 grams of carbohydrate. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Now, there's all sorts of things about what you should eat right just before the race, right? So the result, there is the all, it's spoken about quite a lot. Don't eat too close to the race because mm. it can spike your insulin and you can get a rebound hypoglycemia, whereby your sugars go low and then you get kind of shaky. In reality, that happens to very few people. Okay. So I worked with one of the main uh, guys on my thesis that I that did the research in that. If you're one of those people, you are going to know you get shaky after after it. So most people know if that happens to them. So mm-hmm. if they take a big carbohydrate load about an hour before the race and they feel, you know, quivery and shaky, they will know that it is not that many people. OK, so it's not so lots of people can eat up to about an hour before the race. I would tend to say maybe an hour and a half before the race. I'd be taking my Lucasade Sport right up to the race and I'd probably have bread and jam or I'd have cream crackers and jam or I'd have a banana or maybe a homemade flapjack, which doesn't have honey in it. That's just made with maple syrup. And you will know if you're able to eat up to the race. Some people just eat wine gums or jelly babies or jelly tots. Some people might eat, some people might eat um, a Mars bar. Yeah, (laughs) And they might be able to have their breakfast three or four hours beforehand, and they might be able to have a Mars bar, a banana and a Lucasade Sport an hour, an hour and a half out. Yeah. And what about for those who might be nervous, particularly the first timers <laughs> and maybe can't eat with nerves? Should they just be drinking the ice on drink? Could they take a gel or should they take a gel? I wouldn't take a gel at that point because I think you need the gels further down. I yeah. would just be taking um, things like tuck biscuits or okay. Ritz crackers, things that are really light and easy to melt in your mouth. Um, I think one thing that I find very easy to take and it works for the Dublin Marathon is actually the Turkish Delight. 
the oh, yeah. Turkish delight has got 40 grams of carbohydrate in it. Yeah. And it's that chocolate gel. So that is something that I would take an hour, an hour and a half beforehand if if you tried and tested it. Okay. Yeah. So um, maybe jelly babies or jelly yeah, babies or something like that. Nice. If they're very nervous, nervous, or just tuck biscuits or Ritz crackers because yeah. they kind of melt in your mouth, or sometimes just um, you know white bread and jam. Yeah. Yeah. And can people take too many gels as they're going through <laughs> the race itself? So yes, I think so. Yeah. So yeah. I actually think you really have to have tried and tested all of your gels in yeah, the race yeah. because they definitely are going to trigger gut symptoms mm. if you take too many. And you haven't got them all planned out beforehand. Yes. So yeah. in terms of during the race, the body can metabolize one gram of carbohydrate um, per minute. So the body can metabolize 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. Okay. Yeah. So 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour is 500 mils of an isotonic drink gives you 35. Mm-hmm. One banana gives you 20. Yes. So in the first hour, you could have 500 mils of isotonic. Now you might be taking, you need to take about 150 mils of fluid. So you need to be taking a minimum of kind of 600, one pint in an hour. Okay. Yeah. So I would take, I would take Lucasade Sport or the Club Energize for the first yeah. hour. That gives yeah. you 35 grams of carbohydrate. And I'd probably just take, uh, I would probably just take one banana there or um, you could take one gel there if you wanted to, depending yeah. on the concentration of your gel. So a banana is 20 grams of carbohydrate and some gels are 20 and some are 45. Yeah, yeah. So you could have different strength gels. So you might take a 20 gel there because yeah. I think you need the 40, the 40 further down the, the line. Fine. Yeah, okay. So then in your second hour, you're going to need another 500 mils of leukocyte sport and, mm-hmm. you, and you will probably need, you'll need one gel there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, say in the first hour, you you get the you get fifty five to sixty in, and then in the second hour, you might need one gel that's forty, and your 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 Lucasade Sport or your Club Energize or Powerade or your homemade isotonic drink that is thirty five. Yeah. So that would give you seventy five in the second hour. Yeah. See, I think what might be tricky there is for is carrying that amount of yeah liquid. <laughs> You yeah, know, so you, the, need, you need somebody at the stations to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. So you need somebody at each, you know, at at at, at station, you know, uh, uh, like you just take the first one with you, and mm-hmm. then you need somebody at at one hour, and then you need somebody at two hour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because the isotonics play a big role in terms of they're so important because they've got the sodium and the glucose in them, so they really help you absorb that water. Yeah. So when you drink all water, I, I'll explain this to you in a minute, actually, you don't always absorb it in across the wall of the gut. So you need the glucose and the sodium and the isotonic drinks. So I think they're a vital part of the whole okay. thing. Yeah. As opposed to water. Okay. Yeah. And then you can take you can take the gels as, as, as you wish. But the most you'll metabolize is 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. Okay, so no more than that. So just yeah, no more. Yeah, more than that won't actually won't actually hit the spot. Anything. So the most important thing is the whole thing about finishing the race. So for everybody, you want to finish the race. Yeah. So it's about this part of hitting the wall. So mm-hmm. you need to know where you think that might happen for you. Whether yeah. it could be at twenty anywhere between twenty five and thirty two kilometers. Mm. So it's vitally important that at that point you actually slow down 
Yeah. Because the lactate level is building up. Once the lactate level goes too high, that's when you're going to hit the wall. So mm. you have to slow down. You've got to get the, the, the fluid into you, whether it's water with diorolite in it or whether it's the isotonic. And then at that point, you need a you need the 40 milligrams or for, you need the 40. Yeah, you, need the bigger. you need the bigger dose of the gel. Yeah. Yeah. And you need that like about an hour an hour out and that that bolus dose could be up to 100 or 150 grams of carbohydrate mm. so you could take the, the you could take even a banana you and you could take the gel yeah yeah okay and then now the gels are easier are easier the isotonic and the gels are easier absorbed into the system you can also take a turkish delight at that point yeah even an hour and a half in you can take the thick turkish delight slow down your isotonic and then your 40 your higher gel yeah and so does the isotonic, does that cover things like electrolytes and salt? Absolutely. Yeah, that's okay. in your isotonic drink. Now, yeah. the other thing is some of those gels may have caffeine. And if you're going for caffeine or caffeine boost, the best time to take that is kind of an hour and 15 or an hour and 20 minutes before the end. Yeah. Yeah. Is there also some, is there also like a potential to overhydrate? <laughs> it's over. over yeah. yeah. So, so what can happen? So, that would be the best thing but the most important thing is that hour to that hour and you know 10 or hour and 15 minutes out from the end that's when you got to slow down hydrate and ensure that you get a big bolus dose of carbohydrate in because mm. that's the difference between being able to finish and not finish yeah yeah and you might need another gel in there that's kind of 20 you know in the last 30 minutes before the end yeah yeah um so yes so what some people have to be careful of, not so much during this marathon now, because actually it's not going to be very hot. But um, if you're running marathons that are very hot and you just drink water and you perspire a lot. Now, some people can naturally have a high sweat rate. So if you're running the Dublin Marathon and you have a very high sweat rate and you just drink water without electrolytes, there is a risk that your sodium could drop. And if your sodium drops, you can get very lightheaded and very dizzy. Right. So okay. you would want to be taking water with diorolite sachets in it. Yeah yeah okay so yes somebody who's 55 kilos could end up drinking three liters or four liters of water and their sodium will drop and they'll be lightheaded and dizzy yeah okay that's, yeah that's really good uh so that's our kind of race and so hopefully we'll we'll be set up for that when we finish the race uh should what what should we be thinking about afterwards so post race fueling or drinking should we take something straight away yeah, so, so again, you're going to be pretty tired and pretty exhausted. So immediately after the race, you can actually take some, uh, you, you need to keep hydrating, obviously, yeah. and you would need to keep taking something with diorolite in it or the leucosate sport in it. Again, you need to take one gram of carbohydrate per kilogram body weight. So it might be a good idea to, you could get a, a protein and carbohydrate drink. So okay. if you're 70 kilos, you need 70 grams of carbohydrate afterwards, which is um which is like four slices of bread and kind of two bananas roughly yeah. um afterwards or you know you can take a mars bar it's got yeah. 50 grams of carbohydrate in it or yeah. um or you can take something like a ham sandwich with protein in it or just you could have a family member that might have a protein and glucose shake made up for you okay yeah so you need some protein within a half an hour of the race within a half an hour you need 0 0.2 0 0.2 grams of protein per kilogram body weight so it's about actually for a 70 kilogram man it's about two slices of ham 
Yeah, OK. It's about 14 grams of protein, but loads of shakes would have 20 grams of protein. But you need to make sure that they have got carbohydrate in with it or else you need to take two bananas and a couple of slices of bread. OK, so and that has to happen within sort of half an hour, 30 minutes of, of, of finishing, of, of finishing okay. or any training sessions within 30 minutes of finishing any training sessions. You need um, 0.2 grams of protein per kilogram body weight and one gram of carbohydrate per kilogram body weight. Yeah. Uh, so what about then after that, you've taken your your bananas and your protein and uh, there might be a few big going to the pub for a little celebration. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely pick something with loads of carbohydrates in it, like a pizza or chips or a big bowl of pasta. Oh, I was thinking more of the sort of the liquid, (laughs) the liquid celebration. (laughs) I think the liquid celebrations, probably they don't have enough carbohydrate to fill you up, but definitely eat, eat, eat a big bowl of carbohydrate, a big bowl of pasta or a pizza um you know some or if it's if it's a curry with rice you know some naan breads and things fill up with the carbohydrate and definitely eat before you drink because you'll be collapsing otherwise so is it an urban myth then that a pint is good for you after the marathon yes so definitely an urban myth yeah and there's no (laughs) iron there's no iron in guinness very little (laughs) all right right, i don't know if they'll be too happy to hear about that now yeah definitely yeah so keep 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 going on with the carbs then on the day like how after you know like a day after two days after should you continue to also watch you definitely need to it to load up in in, you know in the 24 hours afterwards to replete your liver and muscle glycogen and then protein is more important as well for for bring your protein back in then as well uh your protein and your carbohydrate you know um uh, that's what i would suggest and then you can go back and you know if you want if you want to be eating your taking your smoothies with your protein shake or something your protein do that as well yeah okay so yeah there's a lot a lot to think about a lot to plan (laughs) it is and i guess the most important strategy is that 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour per hour uh, of the race so you know if it's good and and definitely one hour 15 minute out from the end you got to do the bolus dose of the carbohydrate and again kind of another uh 20 minutes or half an hour later yeah make sure that you tolerate those and that they agree with your gut yeah i was just thinking about you know the car- the carbs you mentioned the pasta the rice the mm. bread and stuff what if you're gluten intolerant so basically potatoes that's why potatoes rice and uh, cornflakes rice krispies are quite low in gluten as well porridge is low in yeah, porridge and then crackers are normally well tolerated by most people um it will be just and you can use buckwheat you can use quinoa as well um yeah. instead of all the pastas but sometimes a lot of people don't tolerate all the pastas and all the pizzas and all the breads so they have to look for those alternative um uh, carbohydrate sources as well yeah brilliant um that's given us loads of information it's really useful any final words of advice for our marathon runners uh, no I, I think the big thing is to try nothing nothing new to have yeah, it tried okay. and tested beforehand I think the Dublin marathon is is, is good because the, the, the weather temperature is quite good if you're going to foreign events obviously the salt um you know the hydration status the sweat rate is a huge factor um so for this one it's to go in with all the carbs full make sure you're taking 60 grams an hour and make sure um before the end of the race the difference between the winning and the losing is slowing down at that appropriate time getting the sugar into the system so the lactate doesn't build up and then you have to slow down to go forward do you know you've yeah. nearly got to go backwards to go forwards to complete it and i think that's a really important thing some people don't want to do that but i think you need to do that 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's really important not to override that and to push yourself forward. Nearly make sure you've got a timer on your watch to make sure, no, no, I've got to do this or I won't be able to complete the race. Yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. loads of people, I'm sure, in your club that have so much experience of that. So it's talk to somebody who's very experienced and find out when you think that time might be for you and what to do and and, and get the best advice you can for the most experienced people about that. Because I think it, the real thing is that you want to finish it regardless of the time. Yeah, yeah. And it would be such a shame to train so much and then to get cramp and then not to be able to finish it. So I think that's very important, that signal. And speak to the more experienced runners in the club and get advice from them on it. Yeah, of which there are many. So yeah, we will definitely do that. Yeah, I'm sure there are loads of pros that could could add even to, hopefully they'd add to what I've said this evening to all of your members as well. Yeah, fabulous. Listen, thank you so much for taking part. I really appreciate it. I'm delighted now and good luck to everybody in the club. Thanks. Right. Thank you. And we have actually some information on our Instagram is called the gut experts, I think. And we have gut friendly recipes on our website is called the gut experts. And I think if you go to the flat gut diet plan, I think we've got the gut experts kitchen there and there's loads of gut friendly re- recipes if anybody suffers with IBS or anything like that. Brilliant. That's yeah. super helpful. Thanks so All much. All right. Take care. Thank Best you. of luck. Really great advice from Elaine. I've added a link in the programme notes to the Gut Experts website, so please do check it out. Also, there will be Lucasade Sport and gels provided at stations on the course by the Dublin City Marathon organisers. So I've put the link to the course map in the programme notes, which features a key for and location of the different stations. Every year, Lusk AC club members take a trip into the city centre to run part of the DCM route and for the all-important brekkie, our so-called recce and brekkie. So it's always a great opportunity for us to catch up and share some advice, tips, and lots of laughs. So we covered off a few Vox Pops just after, and I asked some members to share some pre-marathon voice notes. So how do you feel after your last big run in town? Really good. It was really good fun. And um, yeah, there was a few hurdles to get through. (laughs) We got lost a few times. Yeah. But uh, all, all in all, great, great, great team. Absolutely. Yeah. And what are you looking forward to most on race day? I'm racing to get to the finishing line, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm hoping the weather is going to be good enough for us to literally get there with no massive pains or any of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it now. Yeah. And this is your first marathon. Yes, indeed. Yeah. What motivated, what motivated you to run the Dublin City Marathon? Definitely this group. This yeah. group, absolutely. I probably wouldn't have never signed up by myself. I find they're really motivating and a uh, great bunch of people together. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Right. So well, what, you've run tonight. the marathon before. I have, yeah. So what motivated you to run it again? Again. <laughs> there is a bit of a... FOMO thing, once you've done it once, you have the bug. Um, I didn't do it last year, um, just due to personal uh, circumstances, so I decided this year I was going to do it again, like you mean. I say this one was the last one, but when you get that medal, when you walk or run past the line, like it's definitely a great feeling and it's, and it is great to run with people. It's a great social thing as well, just to run with the club. Like I've moved out of Lusk, but I still wouldn't leave Lusk, I see. Yeah. All right. And what are you most looking forward to on race day? Um, looking forward to just getting out there and, and, and doing it again. Like, I mean, there's a certain amount of <coughs> uh, willpower, well, not willpower, but mind over matter. Yeah. You know, and, and it does. It, it, when you finish it, you just, 
it makes you feel that you could do not anything but just yeah. it gives you that sort of buzz like you mean so i'm looking yeah. forward i love the atmosphere it's yeah. great i've done it before and it's you know it's just whether you're running on your own or running in a group like the crowd will take you around yeah yeah brilliant thank you so what are you looking forward to most on race day i think it's just uh, finishing it <laughs> and i think um just running with the, the people i've been training with all 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 summer yeah and have you got any any post race rewards or treats planned in Oh, well, Murray's that night, yeah, 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 definitely Murray's that night. It's always a great night out and you're kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, all of a sudden you get all this energy and you get dressed up and you forget that you've run a marathon. Yes, he's run. Definitely felt a bit more confident after it. And uh, geez, the group are really up for the challenge. You know, they're, um, they're focused, they're committed to the plan. So I'm really proud to mentor the group, you know, and you can see them improving week in, week out. And they're also, they're, they're, they're forging good friendships and they're, they're making good friends, you know. Personally, myself now, the confidence is a bit higher than it was over the last two weeks when I kind of had two bad runs, you know. And uh, I, looked at, I looked at my pace, slowed down a little bit, and I definitely think it'll do the trick on the day, you know. In regards to the, the post-Martin treat, really just going to try to sleep in a bit later because... You know, it's it's it's, it's, some, it's been some mad uh, early starts for us all. You know, yesterday's run, I really really enjoyed it because uh, I like running the company. I'm kind of a, I'm a social person, you know, and as well as that, it was nice to see some of me all stomping around because I don't be out that way very often. I'm actually feeling really positive about the marathon now after the recce. Um, there was just something about running the streets. Uh, with the group today that made me feel actually I'm really looking forward to this because for the last few weeks I have actually found it quite tough I felt that it's the the training plan has been quite hard on my body um, and I think I've described it to the um to my group as like a bad date and I just want it over with so actually today has made me feel really really positive I'm really looking forward to the um just the atmosphere the camaraderie and just the support on the day. I'm 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 so looking forward to that. Regarding post race treats, um, probably a McDonald's <laughs> and a couple of glasses of wine. I think, um, definitely. Um, in terms of what motivated me to run it, I had gone in to see my friend Carol. She'll be running with Fingalians this year. Um, and I got into the year last year, and I waited at Milltown at mile nineteen. And I remember standing under the, the, the bridge and just seeing loads of people with signs and banners out for family members and some of the runners stopping to give people a hug. And it was just really, really emotional. And I thought, actually, this 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 looks this looks like fun. I had trained previously two years ago with the intention of doing a marathon and I'd stopped around the 30k mark because I felt it was too much for me and mentally I, I just wasn't ready yet, I think. Whereas watching last year, I was like, yeah, this, I would love to do this. And yeah, so far, actually, yeah, I'm definitely feeling it's, it's a good idea. Hi, my name's Paul. Um, I've been a member of Lusk Athletic Club for two years now. 
I signed up to do the marathon this year because uh, after finishing the half marathon last year for the first time, which was something I never thought I'd be able to do until I joined the club, um, I decided I wanted to challenge myself and do the full course. Uh, and seeing the camaraderie and the fun that the group had, uh, I decided I really wanted to be a part of that. Um, and it, training with the group has definitely made things that much more enjoyable and that much easier and more achievable. Um, we've just finished the recce run. It was a great idea. It was great to see the course to see the elevation uh, lots of hints and tips from more experienced members uh, and what to expect on the day so that was really 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 good and it's given me a lot of confidence kind of approaching race day so now I'm just looking forward to the race looking forward to the atmosphere um, looking forward to the crowds and uh, and it'll be great to be there in the Lusk gear with uh, with the group running my first marathon um, in terms of after the marathon I'm looking forward to Pints and Lusk afterwards, wind down. I'll probably miss the training for a while, but uh, it'll be nice not to have to worry about any injuries and niggles every time uh, something like that crops up. So, yeah, looking forward to it now. Thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate your support and hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank our guests, Kira Losty, Elaine McGowan, and all of the club members who contributed to the Vox Pops. I'd also like to thank the Lusk AC podcast team, Colin Brown, Julie Griffith, Nicole Hodson, Dwayne Moore, Sean Smith and Colin Wall. Finally, the very best of luck from Lusk AC to all the participants, volunteers and the amazing supporters at Dublin City Marathon 2023. Bring it on, it's going to be a, a fantastic experience for all. Thank you.